Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the breakfast huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for the bigger picture. Ryan, I know you'll be able to describe this a lot better than me, but uh, when we take a look at what's happened off Wall Street overnight, it really is a picture of, in fact, it's a dramatic return to form based on one word, hope. <laughs> hope is a powerful word. You might remember it's been quite a topsy-turvy past few days. We've got the cryptocurrency... No, spill over effect from what's been happening between Binance and FTX. Now we've got some hope that the Fed might dial back on its rate hikes and this off the back of the latest CPI reading. Not as hot as expected. So this is really lifting hopes that the Fed will do less or be less hawkish at least. Let's unpack it with Vikas Bershat. He is the Portfolio Manager for Asian Equities for MNG Investments. Morning Vikas, how are you doing today? Hello, good morning. Doing very well. Vikas, glad to have you on. Now let's get first your overview view of what's really driving markets these days. You know, you've got so much playing out in the backdrop and now you've got the latest CPI print. How much will this do towards you know, providing the momentum for this to continue? Or will this just be another bear market rally? I'm guessing somewhere in between. And thank you for having me on. I, I, when we look at the market reaction overnight in the US and early here in Asia, it's just a reminder to us why we spend 0% of our time predicting the future and, and 100% of our time preparing for the future. So I, I think we, we still see opportunities across Asia and around the world, but we're not making too much of this one night, one day rally. Mm, of course, uh, we need to watch out for more data to inform us how this will really play out. And talking about opportunities, you've got your eye actually on India and Japan. Let's unpack this, um, starting with India. What's really raising your optimism around the Indian market? So there's several reasons. First, if you look at the, what India has today and has had for a few years that it did not have in the 90s and the early part of this century is long-term political stability. There's a government in place that is encouraging growth and fostering that and putting in place the right policies to spur growth and rely on that to lift the economy and secure a long-term vote bank rather than doling out freebies. So that's number one. Number two, if you look at the valuation multiples, Indian companies are valued highly, but they're not all expensive, which is why we're investing there. But that's where the, that's where the earnings growth is. That's where the cash flow generation is. So that's number two. Number three, people have been concerned about the volatility in input prices, oil in particular. India is a very large importer of oil, as we all know, and the weakening of the rupee. But the, the weakening of the rupee has been steady. It's been going on for decades. Corporates have been adjusting for decades. So when you look at moves in other currencies like the pound against the dollar or the yen against the dollar, those are much more ma- impactful on, Indian, on companies in those markets than the rupee depreciation is in India. So you put all that together, earnings growth, political stability, uh, companies adjusted, uh, accustomed to volatile markets and inflation, and there's many reasons to like different sectors across the country. Yeah, there was a theme of weakening currency that also plays in Japan, and this is interesting because it also can add to the margin pressures because all the input costs that businesses might face when they have to bring in their raw materials from overseas could be something to worry about. You've got your eye on Japan. Help us to understand what you have in mind when it comes to the Japanese markets. Yes. So the, the, the geographic bookends of Asia, to us, are, which is which are India and Japan, offer long-term structural opportunities across sectors for many years. We believe, and the reason for Japan, the reasons for Japan are slightly different. Again, we start with the government and the corporate governance transformation that is being spurred by the government. The the arrows that have been directed towards companies for almost a decade now, they they're, they're making they're, they're hitting their mark, and 
the capital allocation is more sensible, the return of cash to shareholders is more sensible, uh, the, the, the conglomerate style of building companies in the 80s and 90s, we're seeing less and less of that. So what we pay attention to, not only what are Japanese companies buying, but what are they selling? How are they streamlining? How are they getting smarter? And then you couple overlay that with valuation. And it's such a compelling market right now that we have more opportunities that we can go through. Yeah, you mentioned the um, depreciating currency as well. Is that going to be effective for potential M&A that could be something for investors to maybe arbitrage? So this is a very interesting question. At the start of the year, given where the currency was at the time and how confident Japanese companies were, there was a lot of outbound M&A. They were considering a lot of acquisitions abroad. That has flipped in just a very few months. And the same companies that were looking to acquire now could potentially be acquired. And if you look at some of the recent transactions by private equity firms and the strategic buyers taking an interest. You're absolutely right. The dollar-based valuations are the lowest we've seen for very high-quality companies in years, if not decades. All right, so potential M&A to look out for in that part of the world. And talking about you know, things to look out for, is there a shift in how you've been allocating your capital in the past year? Are you cutting back on exposure to any places? Well, I think implicit in, in the question is, is what are we doing with China? And hmm. is China investable? Our view has been and remains that, yes, indeed, China is investable. And I, I think the one change in the very short term, just in the past few weeks, is how many significant dislocations we have seen between price and value in China. I think this sets us up quite, it likely sets us up for many opportunities to invest in China going into 2023 and 2024. And so for the past few months and quarters, we've been very focused on India and Japan. And then in the most recent few weeks, China has been, the Chinese market has been revealing and unveiling many, many opportunities. Yeah, we'll have to wait for the dust to settle around these um, policies when it comes to China. Uh, of course, those rumors of a reopening in March could be a catalyst if it does manifest. And let's wrap things up, Vikas, with your reading of the latest commentary coming up from the latest earnings season. What's your takeaway so far? We've been hearing quite a bit of a mixed message from some parts of the business world where they've been laying off people. Some have managed to pass on costs. What's your general take on how things have been playing out? I think the general take is to look beyond the headlines and the large tech companies in the U.S. and around the world have been grabbing a lot of headlines because they've been, com- they've been citing slowing ad revenue, a weakening consumer and the, the tech layoffs. Um, some of that extends into the biotech sector as well. You can copy and paste those comments for that sector. However, when we look around the world and especially across the region here, we've seen many strong earnings reports across sectors. Some notable ones are companies related to the housing sector, broadly defined in India, whether it's the mortgage finance companies or pipe companies, adhesive companies, paint companies. The theme, companies related to that theme have been doing very well. You're seeing strong financial earnings across the region, good asset quality. Consumer companies have been managing the price versus input cost conundrum quite well. Mm. And actually, there are many companies on the commodity side also that are seeing the input costs um, for oil and for nat gas falling, and they've been able to take price hikes. So the margins are actually expanding sooner than we thought. Mm. So look out for those companies which can pass on those costs and, of course, uh, look more deeply into the fundamentals. We've been chatting Vikas Pashat. He is the Portfolio Manager for Asian Equities for MNG Investments. Vikas, thanks for your time and have a great weekend in advance. Likewise. Thank you for having me on. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.